Welcome to the Coaching Connection Podcast, brought to you by the Gateway Training Center, the home for all of your life coach training needs. I am Katie Rushton, educator and your trusted friend in the coaching world. I am here to share with you best practices, coaching examples, and tools to help you on your professional coaching journey. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Coaching Connection Podcast. My name is Fred Rushton. And I am Katie's business partner, and more importantly, husband. Now, I'm sure you're wondering, where is Katie? Hello, I'm here. The reason I am joining Katie today is because we are going to be demonstrating a coaching session highlighting a concept that was introduced in episode three, which is information exchange strategy. This is a concept that comes under the umbrella of motivational interviewing, which is taught by Stephen Rolnick and William R. Miller. As a coach educator, one of the questions that I get asked frequently is, is it ever okay to offer education and advice to those that I work with? And my answer is, it depends. As coaches, we may provide expert guidance and resources education where those that we are working with lack that expert knowledge. It is really important that we share information and education only from the areas where we have professional credentials. If somebody that we are working with has needs beyond the scope of our education and experience, then it is important to refer out. Once I share that, it's often followed by the information exchange strategy. As a recap, the three steps are elicit, provide, elicit. The first elicit is to ask the person, what do you already know about? Allow them to share and then follow up with, what would you like to know about? And then as you provide, you keep it short, simple, and to the point. The third step is then to ask, what value do you take from what I have shared with you today? If it's a resource that you've shared or something that will take time, for the person to go in and explore and learn about, then you would follow up in the session afterwards. You want to be able to give autonomy and ownership to the coachee and make sure that you are asking questions that evoke that change from within and allows them to own how they apply into their life, the information, education, nugget (laughs) that you share with them. Now we are going to go through the demonstration of this skill. As we do, see if you can hear those three steps. Elicit, provide, elicit. What would you like to discuss today that would be the biggest benefit to you right now? I would like to become more effective and efficient with how I manage my time so that my time doesn't manage me. (laughs) And how would you describe how you currently manage your time? Poorly. (laughs) I use a calendar. I attempt to use a calendar. I have a to-do list here, a project list there, a whiteboard with future plans. It all seems like it's spread out on different pages, different places, different programs, and I need to rein that in. That certainly sounds like you've got some scattered information all around you all the time. Mm -hmm. And I imagine that leads to a lot of frustrations and generally overwhelmingness. 
it's confusing. I have in my mind what I want to work on, what I'm doing. It's just that it gets to that point where there's so much to do and I don't know where to begin because I have scattered it like you mentioned that I don't want to do any of it. <laughs> and so I, I know that I need to, I need to also manage the emotions that I'm experiencing when I do get overwhelmed and, and make sure that I am aligned there. So I'm hearing that there's a couple of different layers to what you're hoping to focus on. So there's the organization of your schedule, as well as the emotions you experience with regard to the tasks that you have. Now, what do you feel like you need to focus on first to begin this process? Oh, good question. Can I say both? <laughs> they both have a high priority. For our discussion, I would like to focus on the organizational part because as September hits, I have several courses that I'm teaching. I have several projects that I'm working on behind the scenes and I, I need to have a sense of clarity and order there. And I, I do want to acknowledge that the emotional part is important and we can discuss that. I need to manage that as well allow myself to feel and work through that so that I don't get distracted. That is key for this conversation, though I do feel the priority is to get some order. So beginning with the order of things will kickstart the process and I imagine also begin to help straighten out the emotions behind it as mm -hmm. well. What sort of things have you done in the past to organize your schedule? I have used to-do lists. Basically, what I mentioned before, where I have information all over the place, those are the strategies that I've implemented. I've tried to have a big whiteboard where I have every project, every class, and I have list upon list under that so that I can create a visual. I also have to-do lists, but I don't like my to-do lists to manage my time. I the thing with to-do lists for me, it always feels like there's one more thing to do and that they never get, I never get done or complete. And so I, I don't feel productive using that. I also time block. That has been the most successful for me in terms of using my calendar and blocking out a certain amount of time for a certain amount of projects. And I want to say that that's the, I mean, it, it is the most productive I just don't know that if I'm using it in the most effective way right now. Okay, so there certainly are things that you have done that have shown success, even though it sounds like it may be limited or mild success, but that this time blocking thing seems to be what has been the greatest benefits so far. Mm -hmm. Yep. What would you like to implement more of at this point? I would say that I, I would like to use the calendar more and focus more on time blocking so that I, I know exactly what I'm doing when it's on the calendar and that is my protection of my time and my energy. As somebody who I imagine has to protect your time too, 
what are some of the things that you do? Being that we're both business people, time management certainly is something that needs to be a focus. The way that we each go about it and find success with it is going to be individual. There has been something that's come to mind that you might find valuable and that aligns with things that you've already shared. To shift gears for a moment into a space where we can discuss this further, start by sharing what you already know about time blocking. Ooh. The way that I've approached it so far, I would imagine it's more of a, <laughs> a simplistic approach. I basically look at my week. I I've scheduled the rest of the year out and even into early next year. But I, so, so I schedule my reoccurring appointments and lessons that I'm teaching. And then around that, I color coordinate <laughs> different things that I'm going to be working on. So if it's grading, then I have a color for grading and I set a certain amount of time. And then I put on my calendar when I'm going to have lunch, for example, and personal time, gym time. And that's, that's about it with my approach. To summarize then, what you currently know about time blocking is the foundational element of scheduling all your required tasks into the time that you know you have for it. Mm -hmm. yeah. What would you say you would like to know about it? I would like to know how to structure the calendar better. There is a book by Michael Hyatt called Free to Focus, which deals a lot with time blocking. And in that, he describes a concept called the ideal week. And part of this ideal week is structuring your tasks into what he calls backstage tasks, front stage tasks, and offstage tasks. Now, what these are is backstage is all of your preparation. Front stage is when you're actually in front of your audience. And offstage is your own time when you're not working on either of those things for your business. So personal time. Yes, personal time. Okay. And what he does, this is just an example. He has the first two days of the week are his backstage time. So that's all of his preparation for podcasting courses. Anytime he's going to be in front of an audience, this is his preparation time for it. The next three days, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, are his front stage days when he is in front of his audience. And weekends are his offstage time to spend with family. One thing that's important to note is that he says that it's important to schedule the offstage time first. Otherwise, it's really easy for your backstage and front stage time to get overbooked and then you don't get any offstage time. Another author named Gary Keller, who wrote The One Thing, agrees with this. And he gives a three-step process to prioritizing your time blocking. He says the first step is to block your time off. Second, block your daily projects. And third, block your planning time. Now, after hearing all of this, what is standing out to you? The biggest thing that is standing out to me so far is planning my offstage time. The idea of having backstage, front stage, and offstage, it brings a lot of clarity into how you have different domains in your life. And if there's one thing I know for sure, it's that I don't prioritize my time, my family time, my, my relationship with my spouse. 
in terms of knowing exactly that Friday night is going to be separate for date night. For the last couple of years, I found it really easy to still be in the office at 10 o'clock at night. And that's not healthy and it's not good for my wellness or for my relationships. And so the idea of time blocking my offstage time, that sounds like the place to begin. I'm hearing the importance of your relationships and personal wellness and what you just said. You mentioned earlier how you wanted to work on your emotional wellness as well. So how would making this change impact that? Ooh, good question and connection. By making myself a priority and my, my relationship with my husband a priority, I truly believe that as I fill my own cup, my own bucket, that I will have more energy to put into all of the other areas in my career life. And so I think that that would be, it's interesting to me how I originally said, I know I want to work on both of these areas and I kind of disconnected them somewhat, but in reality, they are connected. And so it sounds so simple, like such a a simple change to make. By making that, that offstage a priority, it is going to give me time to to do the things that I love, to rest, to listen to my body, to read a book that is just for fun, <laughs> to listen to music, to do something different, get out of the environment of the office and explore life, the world. That's something that I truly value and want more in my life. And so that's a great starting point for me, a building block to then That's how I'm going to know that the rest of the time that I block is going to be effective. Now that you see and recognize this connection between the two, what is the first thing that you would like to do? Okay, now we're going to end there and we're going to go into a debrief of what just happened. One of the first things that I want to highlight is that we took a magnifying glass on a 10, 12 minute conversation to show you the process behind elicit, provide, elicit. I'm going to ask Fred a question. Are you ready? Yep. (laughs) If that had been a 45 minute, an hour session, and you were coaching me on that very goal, what else would you have done? There's quite a bit more that could have been done there. For example, at the beginning of the session, I would have spent a lot more time asking questions to get a better idea of the vision for the rest of the quarter and into the next year. Potentially even had a look at the calendar to get a better feel for what the tasks are that are already scheduled there. Then after the information was shared, we could have gone back to the calendar and then classified each of the tasks as front stage or backstage and had a closer look at how they could be organized in such a way as to promote success. There are three other concepts that I want to draw your attention to that I felt you did particularly well. The first one is how you started the session. You asked a question that created focus. And so the agenda of our conversation already had a direction 
from the very beginning. And then the way that you ended, although you may not have asked that question so soon, had it been a full session, you ended with a question that led to action. You asked me, well, now that you've had that insight, what are you going to do? What's the first thing that you want to do? And then right in the middle, the transition or the bridge between coaching and education, you used something that I like to use myself, which is saying the phrase, let's shift. What was your purpose behind using that this time? The purpose behind it is to show that there is a definitive difference between coaching and then providing information or education. It's common in the coaching industry to say, going to put on my educator hat. This was just a simpler, easier way to make it clear to the coach and the coachee that the lens has shifted from a coaching approach to an educating approach. The last thing that I would like to share with you is a reminder not to go to illicit provide illicit as your first line of defense. And by that, I mean, don't be so quick to want to offer education and advice. Part of coaching is going through the struggle of change and experiencing the growth from experimenting with new ideas as those that we work with look for solutions to what they would like to change in their lives. One of my favorite adverts from back home in England is the advert for Pringles. Once you pop the lid of the Pringles and you've had one, the likelihood is you'll have multiple. And the line is, once you pop, you cannot stop. To compare this to coaching, once you start giving advice, it becomes easier for that style to be the default. And if it becomes the default, that is when you have switched chairs, switched roles. You are no longer being true to the psychology behind coaching. In conclusion, the take-home message that we want you to get from this episode is twofold. First of all, that there is a safe and secure structure for coaches to be able to share information, which is illicit, provide illicit. And secondly, don't become reliant on this approach. If you are interested in becoming a life coach, reach out to learn about our upcoming January training course. If you are already a life coach and want to practice similar concepts that we have taught today, reach out to learn about our member zone. You are also welcome to get in touch with us with any ideas you have for future episodes. Hello everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Coaching Connection Podcast. My name is Fred Rushton. I am Katie's business partner and more importantly, husband. Now, I'm sure you're wondering, where is Katie? Hello, I'm here. <laughs> you're so loud. <laughs> I should have just gone with it.